as we come to the end of our sacred, of our Lord's sacred passion and death, look once more upon him hanging upon the cross. There we see him hanging upon the cross and he cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend thy, thy spirit. And then of his own free will, he bowed his head and died. Now, as our Lord bowed his head and died, the veil of the temple that stood before the Holy of Holies was torn from, bottom, from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were rent. And the centurion, seeing what was done, glorified God, saying, Indeed, this was the Son of God. A great multitude had come out of the city to witness the crucifixion of Christ. They saw the sublime holiness and incomparable courage in what the evil men had done to Christ. They beheld all these marvelous events in nature that transpired that day. What happened was so astounding that it moved everyone. The people then returned to the city, lamenting what had happened to Christ. As St. Luke says, all the multitude of them that were come together to that site and saw the things that were done returned, striking their breasts. Not too long after our Lord expired, the bodies of the crucified were to be taken down from the cross. But before our Lord's body was taken down, a soldier comes to it with a spear. In order to be certain that Christ is dead, the soldier plunges his spear into the side of Christ. The spear reaches the heart of our Savior and pierces it. It immediately blood and water pour from his side. As the sacred heart is pierced, the heart of Mary is also pierced with sorrow. And now the sacrifice is finished. Our redemption is complete. Our Lord, the man of sorrows, who died on the cross in so heroic and supernatural a manner, after his death allowed his side to be pierced with a lance. And from his sacred side, blood and water miraculously flowed from it. Truly he was the Son of God, the man God. It was the exterior and invisible humanity of Jesus that suffered these ignominies and outrages before and after his death. But it was the divinity within him that moved those who witnessed these signs, and the divinity that allowed only these things to happen, which were fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning the Son of Man. Now, after suffering the death of a criminal, one would expect that Jesus would not receive an honorable burial. But a few of his followers obtained permission from Pilate to procure the body of our Lord to bury him. And again, we thus see divine providence at work. He would have a worthy burial. It was only right for Christ our Savior triumphed over death and sin. And so his disciples took the body of Jesus down from the cross. And then all present approached and touched the wounded body of Christ. Reverently they venerate and kiss the instruments of the passion. 
made sacred by being the instruments of our salvation and redemption. The poor penitent Mary Magdalene once again embraces her master's feet and again washes them with her tears and presses them kisses of repentant love. John, the beloved disciple, lays his head once more on his master's breast. But what can Mary, his mother, do? Poor, broken-hearted mother. With open arms, she receives the crushed and bruised body of her divine son. She holds him close to her, as she did when he was an infant, and recalls what it was like that day when he was born in the stable of Bethlehem. But now she kneels there at the foot of the cross and holds his lifeless body. She gazes on the wounds and counts each bruise. She sees his wounded side, his thorn-crowned head, his pierced hands and feet. And with broken-hearted love, she repeats again her fiat, Thy will be done. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Many in the crowd who had come to mock the king of the Jews must have been silenced by the sight of this mother, holding the dead body of her son in her arms beneath the cross. Many were already in awe at Christ, even the soldiers, for they have never seen such sublime courage and such goodness as they witnessed that day in Christ. Never had, been, had it been known that a crucified man would forgive everyone, even the very ones who nailed him to the cross. Never had it been known that a crucified man should seek to comfort another, as our Lord comforted the good thief in promising him paradise. And now look at him. He is dead in the arms of his mother. The shouts of blasphemy are gone. The mockery, the mock, mockers are silenced. Admiration and fear has replaced their cries of derision. For they sense that there is in the, they are in the presence of something divine. Even nature re- registered its complaint inside its relief when its sufferings ended. For the strange and terrible darkness that came upon the earth when Christ was raised upon the cross at noon, gave way to light when he died at 3 p.m. The earth quaked and the sun appeared in the sky at that moment. The sun that was hid its face in shame for what men had done to the Creator was now shining for the man of sorrows and the mother of sorrows had won a great victory. Our Lord and his blessed mother were indeed the victors. In three days, Christ would rise triumphantly from the dead. And the fruit of his merits that he grew on that tree of life, which was his cross, would be put to the disposal of the church and his mother, Mary. For all graces come to us through the blessed Virgin Mary. Our Lady is the co-regemptrix of mankind. And so there she was looking at her son, suffering and dying on the cross. And she knew that the redemption of mankind would come through all of this. 
And so she willfully accepted this cross. She knew that our Lord would rise again three days because he had foretold it. And so what a sight it would have been to see Our Lady standing beneath the cross. She did not fear the murderers, those putting her son to death. She did not murmur nor ask God for vengeance on her enemies. But she stood full of tears, immersed in grief, but most patiently united her will with God's will, suffering all in union with Christ. Indeed, the Blessed Virgin, upon beholding the sacred runes of Christ, was so strengthened as to be ready to die herself for the salvation of the world. The salvation of our souls demanded the death of her son. The Father willed it, and Mary, always wanting to do God's will, willed it also. She felt all the pains of her son's passion and death, it is true. She felt them as if it were her own. She suffered with her divine son, only as a mother can suffer. Their hearts were united as one, united as one heart. And so whatever one of them suffered, the other felt as well. And thus did she cooperate with him in our redemption. Now when all made their last farewells, to the man of sorrows, as Our Lady held her divine son. Joseph and Nicodemus then took the body from the mother's arms. The sacred body of Christ was then carried to the tomb and reverently buried in it. So let us now ask Our Lady for that grace to share in the pain and suffering and love that she had on that first Good Friday. Join her now beneath the cross and say to her, O Mary, my queen, who was overwhelmed with sorrow, obtain from me by thy intercession a continual and tender remembrance of the passion of thy son and a true and con- sorrow and contrition for my sins, which caused thee and he so much pain. And so witnessing all that they went through during the passion and death of Christ, How can we not then be moved to love our Lord in return? And so one who truly loves is willing to sacrifice, to do anything for the one they love. So how willingly would we not do penance and to make satisfaction for our sins and even to do satisfaction for the sins of others? Others who do not pay and do penance for their own sins. And surely then, we should willingly do the penance the priest gives us when we go to confession. And how willingly should we accept all the mortifications and penances that come through us throughout life? The world does not practice penance. Everyone is always trying to be free from pain and suffering. But this is the only way to make satisfaction to make up for man's sins, our sins and the sins of others. So let us not be like the rest of the world and waste suffering. For this is truly the greatest evil of our time, wasted suffering. You see, no one can escape pain, suffering, or death. 
But as Catholics, we know how to use it. And that is our means to save our souls and the souls of others. How willingly then should we strive to avoid all the near occasions of sin, to avoid anything that would lead us into sin, and to resolve now to have it renew your great hatred for sin, and pray to our Blessed Mother that she help you to have a true sorrow and repentance. She will be your guide and advocate to help you get to heaven through this valley of tears. With her help, we can overcome all temptations of the world and the flesh and the devil, and thus live holily and joyfully in the midst of the trials and crosses of life, to accept the penances the priest gives you at confession, and also those ones that come to you through the daily circumstances of life that will help to make up for your sins and the sins of others.